Welcome. This week we're super excited. We're still in St. George, Utah, and we're with our special guest today. Sorry, my name is Sarah. I'm your host today. And this is my beautiful, handsome co-host, Don. I'm the co-host. Yes, you're the co-host today. And we are in St. George, Utah with our good friends, the Spooners, Wendy and Tony Spooner, and we're going to have a little conversation with them today. So we met the Spooners when we moved to Arizona a couple of years ago. We were in a ward together. And then yeah. you guys moved to St. George how long ago? It's been a year. Almost exactly this a year. Month. Okay. Yep. So in COVID, you guys came. Yes. yes. I was trying to remember on my way up here. With joy and gladness, we came moved during yeah. COVID. Yes. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we kind of get a chance to visit you guys when we come here and visit our kids. So we and thought, we're so glad that you do. I know. Yes, thought we would take this touch. opportunity while we're here to talk with you guys. We feel like you guys are part of our family, yeah. and we feel like family when we're here. I'm so glad. We feel exactly the same way. And, and I yeah. think good friends are the Lord's way of making up for family. Sometimes family doesn't want us to come to their house, so we I just come to your house. Yeah. And it's also good, good friends. friends are the family that we choose, right? Yes. Oh. We don't really get to choose our <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> so particularly Wendy has written a book, and it's been out for how many years? The first... Um, it released in April of 2020. Okay. So, so during COVID right lockdown, when COVID. which changed everything. Yes. Okay. You know, canceled books, signings, and all that fun stuff. Yeah. So. And then your second one is releasing tomorrow. November 5th. Or launch party tomorrow. Um, what did you say was happening pre, tomorrow? Pre-order. Okay. Open. Pre-order tomorrow. Yeah. Launching on November 5th, which is just right around the corner. So yeah. we'll let you explain what that is. Tell us the title. All right. And then we'll kind of go from there. Okay. Well, the first book was Once Upon an Irish Summer, and it's based on a true story. It's about a young man who left Ireland alone to find a way to save his family, and it's who he became in America that I had to write his story. The underlying themes of the book are family, the American dream, and um, really um, what we make of ourselves. And that's what America is about. That's what America has always offered people is the opportunity mm -hmm. to make something of yourself, the choice to make something of yourself. And so the second book is called Celtic Winter, and it is the true story of the main character in the first book, his little sister that gets left behind in okay, Ireland. in Ireland. And it's what she has to deal with, and she chooses to be the one to try to keep her family alive. Mm -hmm. So and are they based like survive. same time? Like this is what's happening in America with him, and then the second book's what was happening at home with her. Yes. Okay. Yep. Awesome. And, I'm excited. And for who it are to these people out. to you? Why? Why did? Why did this one jump out at you? Yes. Um, I went to a trip. Um, went on a trip to Ireland with um, Tony and my parents, and we researched this line. So these two people, these two main characters, are my third great uncle and third great aunt with come just very diverse um, people and who Alan Hamilton became because he was a man in that time period. He had um, all doors open to him. Mm -hmm. Even though when he arrived in America, he was Irish and he was basically spit on for being Irish. He rose above it and mm -hmm. became um, one of the wealthiest men on the American frontier and one of the first senators in Indiana and um, an abolitionist long before the Civil War, and um, he was an advocate for all of the downtrodden and weary because he had been there. And so that's Ellen Hamilton, and then his little sister that gets left behind 
in Ireland because of what she takes on to keep her family alive. She she would have been someone that was courted because there's a 200 letter 200 year old letter collection that these books are based on mm-hmm. that speak about her personality traits and who she was and she was a gifted um, dressmaker and hat maker um, trying to eke out a living to keep her family fed but she was also really clever and loved in the village they lived in in Ireland so she would have been someone that was courted but she never married oh, and so and she lived longer than anyone else in her family she died in her 80s wow. which is really pretty old for mm-hmm. that time period that so time. the diversity in these two siblings who were very close, the letter collection says they were each other's favorite sibling mm-hmm. in a family of 10 kids, which only five of them survived to adulthood. Wow. That was one of the things I found in Ireland was that five of the kids either died as um, babies or young children. Wow. Typical of the time. So So this is your family history, your genealogy. Yes. And mm-hmm. while researching that, that's what led yeah. to the book. So tell us your background because I forgot to mention that at the beginning, like what you... I'm a professional genetic genealogist, and um, I was halfway through my master's degree in marriage and family therapy, which I got... My undergrad was um, um, Bachelor's of Science in Psychology, and I've always loved Mm -hmm. psychology. And it was my goal to move to St. George, Utah, and work at the girls' ranches here, because I love teenagers. Oh, cool. And... But I had a huge epiphany one day when I looked at where I was really spending my time and it was researching my own family and traveling to wherever I needed to to dig up any record I could find on them. And so my epiphany was to help families in a different way. Yeah. And that was to help families find their families. And um, one of the big reasons for that was the study that um, Emory University did on particularly kids and teenagers knowing their family history mm-hmm. and how that knowledge manifested in better grades, higher self-esteem, and their faith in the success of their own family unit, which is huge. Taking pride in their family name, huh? Yeah, yeah. all those things. And there's several other things they found in that study, but it turned a switch in me and um, I knew that I wanted to become a professional genealogist at that time. But then I attended Roots Tech, which is the largest family history conference in the world, Mm -hmm. in 2013. And one of the speakers there talked about this new niche field, genetic genealogy that is based on DNA test results and Mm -hmm. pulling in unknown family members through that avenue as well. Yeah. That's what I do. Like the 23andMe and... Ancestry DNA. Ancestry DNA, the things that yeah. people can do at home on their own. Mm-hmm. And they're finding all kinds of interesting things. Yeah. No secrets yeah. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's interesting when you said you were doing, a, was it marriage and family counseling? Yeah. And was it because working with the living is too complicated? You go backwards and work with the dead and fix their families because <laughs> they don't talk back or they're non-compliant? Oh, you but, know what? That part of it was had nothing to do with my decision, <laughs> believe it or not. But, but it's probably true. But I still bet that your desire to, to bless families with marriage and family counseling, mm-hmm. instead of looking forward to the next generations, you went back to the past and brought up some of the beauty of, of that family setting. And it's, I assume your goal was to make it beneficial and therapeutic to everyone who reads that 
history. Mm-hmm. So you are still doing family counseling and you're just bringing it to light, I guess. It is a different way. It yeah. really is. And if we can learn from the people that we came from and honor them, even if they really struggle, and then stand on their shoulders to become a better generation, yeah, that's what they want for us. Yeah. Because isn't that what we want from our kids and grandkids? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Sometimes I hear people, because in our church, genealogy is a big deal. And I think it is to other people outside of our faith culture, but it is a bigger deal, I think, to us. And we like to be linked to those people and we do temple work and all the things. And I remember somebody once just kind of having a bone about that with the church. Like, I don't know why people get up and talk about their ancestry like it has anything to do with them and blah 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 and I was like that's exactly like the reason like it really does affect us here Mm -hmm. they're still like they're still people they're still their spirits want to inspire and help and bless us and there's all kinds of amazing stories from people about that but I think you just can't help but feel that link and then to feel that gratitude for whatever they went through Mm -hmm. and yeah the perspective and yeah I just love it so I think it helps us connect. Well, if you think about the connection, if we really think about it, all of us are, yes, we're descended from Adam and Eve, Mm -hmm. but we are descended from the Great Reset with Noah. So every person on this earth is descended from either Shem, Ham, or Japheth, Mm -hmm. the three sons of Noah. That's how closely connected we are. And it doesn't matter what color our skin is. Yeah. We have the same exact progenitors. Yeah. The Great Reset. I don't know why I haven't heard that before. That was like a control alt delete. Yeah. yeah. An open apple exactly. control reset. Yeah. Yeah. God just said, listen, kids, you're never coming back from this. So we're starting out. Yes. We're washing wipe it the, clean. Wipe the yeah. slate and move on. Yeah. Every, yeah. Key, every keyboard has a Noah button. Yes. <laughs> it. And we reset. That's what I just It's That's a hard great. reset. Yeah. How about a question for Tony? When you've seen your wife have this. Uh, <clears throat> affair with the other the generations she's involved she's in a relationship right with these earlier generations it's been a big sacrifice is it a time draws that a relationship draws that been a strength to you guys or has it been a challenge to have her go far far away it, it gives me an opportunity to support my sweetheart mm-hmm. um she, she's the adventure side of our relationship so when we're in ireland for two weeks Climbing over, there's not a wall, there's not a fence. Every no trespassing sign just means there's something really good <laughs> just over means there. There's something there I want to see, okay? And so I will many times just walk the other way, stand guard, and and, and you know because I'm better off if I'm not there because she can talk her way out of anything. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the perks of being a woman. It is. Yes. <laughs> oh, there was a. Those are things after we pamphlet. No sprechen the Irish. Yes. yes. <laughs> but, but explaining how you got the, the, the 75 year old grandmother over the fence with you is another story. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it's, been, it's been a fascinating adventure. I, I've been through many, many a graveyard searching for headstones, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's, it really has been fascinating. The, the book writing part uh, of it, what she's done and all the research part of it, um, you know, it gives me an opportunity to support her in, in a way I wouldn't otherwise, mm-hmm. uh, which is, uh, I'm probably, uh, of the two of us, the more selfish one. So it's been I great. do not agree. <laughs> he is the most supportive. I'm 
Yeah. I could write a book on his support. <laughs> He's like, please don't. Seriously. <laughs> I just had a PPI with my bishop last Sunday. And he said, how's it going with your book? And I said, it's just about done. I'm feeling really good. And he said, can I just ask you, is this hard on your marriage? Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't think so. You know, I said, mm-hmm. half the nights I'm sitting on the couch next to Tony with my laptop and my headphones, but... We're still together. Still together. <laughs> I was going to ask because sometimes if you do it the other way, when a mom spends too much time, or a wife spends too much time focusing on her kids and everybody else's kids, yeah. and kind of leaves her husband in the background because she's has her heart drawn towards those kids, I'm wondering what it's like the other way when she's going back. And is there how does that bless your marriage or your your view of her? Well, part of what I do has changed our lives because of your family true so true and that wasn't your intent at first right yeah. it was looking to how, your family so how is how. that yeah mm-hmm. well we, we had taken a we were our family was in the hill camorra pageant for this uh, second round round two what year was it 2012 2012 and uh, on the way home we took a detour around minnesota it was quite the road trip quite the road trip um two two of our daughters were with us on this trip two of our five and um, so we went up through Minnesota, and my mom and dad had recently moved, and uh, so we went and saw them up north, and went and saw my brother, and my brother had this box. My mom was into genealogy and family research and such. Mm-hmm. And uh, when my dad, I believe he was in his mid-40s... Um, he was pushing 50. pushing 50. Yeah. Um, they found out that... Uh, uh, or he found out. My mom knew. <laughs> that was yeah. a family secret in our family. <laughs> um, but my dad then uh, found out that he was adopted. And my mom had done a certain amount of research that I wasn't even aware of how far back she went. But we, my brother said, here, you know, Wendy, you're the genealogist. Here's this box. Mm-hmm. So we're on the drive home. And I can't wait to dig into it. Yeah. <laughs> What's in here? And so, and so when he's like, kids, like, roll the windows up. Yes, I've got yes. papers filed everywhere. Yeah, you know, we don't even have to stop the car. There's no gravestones. It's all right here. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I just go, I'm driving and I glance over as, and, I, and I said, What's my dad doing in that picture with those people? And Wendy said to me, That's, that's your dad's siblings. Well, there was a set of twins that my dad could have been the triplet. We knew that his dad was adopted, and sometimes I had poked, like, what do you guys know about mm-hmm. the biological family? Mm-hmm. Zip. Zip. Then wouldn't say anything. My dad yeah. my dad was like, let bygones be bygones. I'm happy where I'm at. I'm fine. I don't want to know. Mm-hmm. Done. He didn't want to rock the boat. He didn't want to rock yeah. the boat. Okay. And when I saw this picture of these, and I thought it was my dad, but I mean, they they not they dressed like him. They looked like they him. The same glasses. They had on. the same glasses. Hair combed the same. Way. I mean, the, he could have been the yeah. literal triplet. Um, at that time, it, it just hit me. I want to know these people. These are my aunts and uncles. For yeah. the first time, I realized I have aunts and uncles. And you were how old? There was a switch this, at the time. This was well, this 2012. Just, yeah. 2012. Oh. So nine years nine, ago. Nine years ago. So yeah. I was 12. Yeah. No, um, <laughs> well, how old was I? Uh, 40. 
Yeah. Yeah. Late forties. But your dad, you were saying, was almost fifty when he found out he was adopted. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he. But that he just filed that information away. Yeah. He was like, they it's okay now like at this, this point. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, my, my life was when good. my dad's adoptive parents passed away from alcoholism when he was a young teenager. He had no siblings. No siblings. Went and lab- lived with his uh, aunt and uncle, who were my great aunt and uncle. Was your dad's sibling, Aunt Betty? Yeah. Or the, the Larsons. Earls. The Larsons. Okay. So All my right. dad lived with the Larsons in Wisconsin from Cleveland. He moved to Wisconsin because my Aunt Betty was the other person who knew that my dad was adopted. Because mm. okay. she had been given paperwork. and Yes, and um, gave it to my mom. On their wedding day, and my mom held that secret. Wow! She was given wow. the, the opportunity at the time. Do you want to tell him here? I'm just giving you this paperwork. Is that yeah? Mm-hmm. You and might need said, this information someday. She yeah. said, "I'm not telling him." <laughs> wow! <laughs> not my, you know. So, so anyway, newlyweds. I'm, yeah. But when it came time for my mom and dad after we joined the church, after they joined the church because they joined before I did, um, to be sealed. At that time, my dad had to have. He had the right to decide which set of parents he wanted to be sealed to. The biological or the adoptive. Correct. And that's when Oh gosh, that's a your pressure. mom said, I think I need to tell you. Yeah, I something. need to Tom, I have something I need to tell <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> okay. You have some other parents. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's how that came out. Well then on this drive home after this excursion, um this this visit with my parents, uh, I wanted to know these people. When we got home I'll let you take over there because you kind of took over your what you do for the initial contact and, and it was Facebook, I believe. Yeah. So I was already in graduate school to become um, a genealogist and um, this is what changed my path in genealogy. So I just thought, okay, these guys, all these brothers may have had sons that they named after them. So maybe there's some juniors on Facebook. Because two of them had already passed on. That's how old these siblings are, right? Okay. And so I got on Facebook and I found that the last name, the surname, is unusual. So I thought I could have some success with that. And so I sent out some messages to two possible juniors. And they messaged me right back. And my message was simply, we're looking for relatives related to this person. Are you related to this person? Mm-hmm. Which would have been their grandmother. Which would have been his father's biological mother. So he messaged me right back and we're open. Yes, that's my grandmother, who are you? Mm -hmm. And this was before church one Sunday morning and I just went, okay, I'm telling you the truth. And I sent a picture Mm -hmm. of Tony's dad. And then it was crickets for 24 hours. And we, at church that Sunday, I didn't even tell Tony that I was doing it. It was very, very like, you know how sometimes the spirit moves you? Yeah. And you're just like, oh, okay. And you do it. And we're sitting in church and I went, oh, hey, by the way, I sent out these messages on Facebook and that's what I did. <laughs> and he was like, what? Yeah. Okay. And, then, and then when we heard back from them, that picture had gone viral in the family. And um, within 48 hours, the two siblings that lived closest to Tony's dad drove straight to meet him. Wow. Well, okay. yeah, let me back up just a hair. Oh, yeah, because this part's cool. Because I, I had planned a trip back because my parents had just moved into assisted living because my dad's health was, they knew it was going to be declining. So um, I had planned a trip back to make sure they were settled in okay and just spend a little more time with them. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, whatever. 
And so now I have this information and, and they would like to meet him. And I know this. And my dad has always said, I don't want to know. Right. And so I, you there know, was that side of it. And, and I was like, okay. And I, and I remember the conversation I had with Wendy was, well, when should I tell him? And it just came down to when spirit moves me, I'll tell him. And that's just the way it'll be. Yeah. So I, I flew back. Um, my mom and dad picked me up at the airport in Duluth, Minnesota. And uh, you know, we went to lunch. And my mom and dad's favorite place for lunch was Arby's. So that's where we went to Arby's <laughs> because they always have those special shakes of some kind. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. They lived for this. Yeah, they lived for that. <laughs> the malt. So, Arby's. Cute. Arby's. And did they get a commemorative cup to take home with them? The Arby's cup? Well, they, they should have. They yeah. Should have. Yes. They're... Anyway, so we went to the, 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 the Arby's and uh, right, I was prompted right then. I said, Dad, I want you to know that we uh, reached out to your siblings and they want to meet you. And did he know at that time that and your he, mom had found them? I think so. I think I think so. I think so, but I, I just know that it was a physical you could physically see a, it was like a, a load of bricks off of him. Mm. Mm. It was, it was fascinating to see it was a, uh, there was a physical shift. I'm pretty sure that your dad did not know that your mom had done this research on the side. She never connected the actual family. She never contacted them. But she had all of these emails from like the relatives all around okay. them mm -hmm. yeah. and pictures that she gathered. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't think your dad maybe, knew. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Yeah, yeah. I think it was a secret. Yeah. So he was how old at this time? Um, when he's about to meet. 17. Okay. Yeah, seventy-three, yeah. and and um, so anyway, it, it was, you know, I, I was just glad he wasn't mad at me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could have been at myself yeah. to see that weight lift off. Yeah. yeah I, anyway, so I, I said two of them would like to drive up tomorrow and meet you, and he was like, okay. It was fascinating to to see this reunion. You know, that very very shortly into the meeting his mannerisms, everything mm -hmm. about him, his, their interests. He and his siblings, they hunted, they bowled, they fished. They're, they, they were athletic, you know, yeah. round on the line. Did they all still look alike? Um, he looked, the twins had both passed away. Oh, okay, so these were different. That, that, those were the two that predeceased. Okay. Yeah, they predeceased everybody else. Okay. Um, what was fascinating is they did then that summer have a they did a reunion and uh so everybody could meet my dad and they titled the reunion flyer come and meet our brother mm -hmm. oh that's amazing it was the sweetest so cool thing. just yeah it was open arms yeah. just an yeah. incredible family we, we love them dearly and had they known all along that they no, had a brother they, they had no not idea. until you had reached no out idea. then it so it was new to everybody they had no idea now there's a there's a spooner wisconsin okay it's a town and the family was from wisconsin my dad lived in Wisconsin. Okay. okay. And they they recall that the 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 mom and dad would say they're going to to visit Spooner. 
Okay. Is what they, they remembered that, and now they're kind of tying it together that because there was a letter, there was correspondence from my dad's adoptive parents to Gladys, my my, yeah. my oh, natural okay. grandmother, that they were in correspondence. You know, mm-hmm. Tommy's yeah. doing well. We have one letter. So um, we think that they were going to visit Tom Spooner, not going to Spooner, Wisconsin. Okay. Yeah, 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 but there was, you know, yeah. interpretation, right? Overt. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and so it was interesting. So at any rate, um, with the family reunion, the one twin had passed away within, it was within like six months or wasn't it? Really it was a year. year. Within the year. Just within a year. The, the widow, yeah. his widow was there at the reunion and when she saw my dad she burst into tears she broke down because they looked so much alike that would be really hard yeah yeah and with one of the other brothers his wife was um a wonderful genealogist and these are all this is a strong catholic family and she handed me 85 pages of all the genealogical research she had done and the original photos of the family lines back to the 1800s. Oh my gosh. We didn't have to do any research yeah. to take these names to the temple. It was wow. all there. It was like the timing of it yeah. was so beautifully perfect. Yeah. It was like, I just felt like oh, the orchestration was incredible. Yeah. 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 So one of the things we mentioned uh, before as we were visiting um, was the spirit of Elijah. And that's often... Um, referred to with this work yes so elijah was an old testament prophet who held keys to seal and bind families god loves his children and loves his family and we're all family and he wants to bind us together and elijah was given those keys to seal and talked about in the latter part of scripture that he would restore these keys that would turn the hearts of the children to their fathers and the hearts of their fathers to their children so what does the spirit of Elijah mean to you in your work? Uh, well, first of all, when you think about who Elijah was when he was on this earth, he was such a powerful prophet that he left the earth in a chariot of fire yeah. <laughs> and did not taste of death. And um, what I see on this earth today in my profession is that Probably 5% of the professional genealogists are members of this church. The spirit of Elijah is everywhere. Uh It's like this warm blanket across the earth. Everyone is looking for their families. Mm -hmm. Everybody has this desire and this hope that they want to feel that they don't know. And it doesn't matter if you're adopted or um, there's so, just so many kids we know in this world today that are kidnapped taken from their families, yeah, end up in a okay situation so they're able to grow to adulthood and want to find out where in the world that came from. Yeah, That's just one aspect of this present day earth that we live in. And Elijah is helping us make all of those connections. And if it's happening right now, it's because it's supposed to. Yeah, If it's not happening right now, it will happen later. Mm-hmm. But it will happen. And this family, this human family, will be wrapped up in a big bow and be stamped done. Yeah. And that's actually what has to happen before our Savior comes. We need to be so united or this whole earth is wasted. Mm-hmm. That has come. Yeah. So we all have our part to play in that. So we've all got to find our people yeah. and pull them in. Yeah. 
And the phrase you used that impressed me was, I work for Elijah. Yeah, I, <laughs> I love that. I really yeah. love that. Yeah. And there probably yeah. are those on the other side who do as well. I feel like countless. just yeah. the things that we know and that we believe are here as members of the church, you know, there's just so much work going on on the other side. And there's probably all these different organizations just like there is when we go to church on Sunday. And there's got to be people who are assigned to work with Elijah and people who are assigned to work with Joseph Smith or whoever. Mm -hmm. And I love that idea. I love thinking about that. And, I think and they were working was, when this yeah. happened. And that's why it all happened in the way, you know, I just love that mm -hmm. idea of like all the tentacles just being so involved behind the scenes mm -hmm. for you to already have that trip plan, Tony, to go. Yeah, you know, yeah. see your yes. parents, and then for you to reach yeah. out, and yeah, I just love yeah. the, the orchestration of it. Yeah, is, uh, not of this. It world. can't yep. be done by any yeah. other means than by yeah, the hand of God. Really, you know, I love that. Yeah. How do you see your stronger connection to who you are because of? I, I can tell you so many stories. When you come to know the people that you come from. And you recognize something in them about yourself. Yeah, it strengthens that thing in you, and my kind of validates it. It validates yeah. it, and somehow it makes it blossom. Mm -hmm. I don't know how else cool. to describe it, but my grandmother um, and my grandfather that I grew up very close to, these are my father's parents. Um, my grandmother was the epitome of love and inclusiveness, and she was a very talented musician and choral director and taught piano to countless kids and she was just um even in her aging years when she was a widow for 17 years and her body was slowly falling apart she was nothing but grace and love and gratitude and um she has been gone since 1997 and i thought that i had done all this research uh, these are my grandparents, right? Mm -hmm. I heard all the family stories from them. All the genealogies on those lines came from them. And this record came up on Ancestry.com. And I dismissed it. Um, but my grandmother has a very unique name. Her first name is Estena. Estena. With an E. Yeah. And I've only ever heard that one other time. And this record came up again. And someone else in my family saw it and sent me a text message and said, do you think we should be looking at this? And I was like... I dismissed that because, and it was a marriage record. Mm -hmm. It's like, we know who our grandmother was married to, our grandfather. And I thought, you know what, I'll just look at it since you're bringing it up, right? Mm -hmm. And so anyways, to make a long story short, my grandmother was married to someone else before my grandfather, and this was the 1920s. And I went to the family history library, found the original marriage certificate, and saw that her parents were not the witnesses which told me that they eloped. Oh. <laughs> and so this was scandalous in the yeah. 1920s and in Salt Lake City and prominent LDS families everywhere. And I was like, what? Yeah. This perfect woman? And I wanted to know all of it. So I dug everything I could, found pictures of this first husband of hers. And he was just this handsome scallywag. Who knows where they met? <laughs> A scallywag, you they, say? Yeah, and his history after that really kind of showed that he was so scallywag. I don't know what else to call him. In all his pictures, he had this cool hat. Uh -huh. His wide brimmed hat, and he was just dressed to the nines. And I was like, where did she meet him? And but you can see why she was drawn to him. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so I just, you know, I've been through an awful divorce. And um, 
within nine months, that marriage was, I dug everything out and found out that the father of this young man forced them to annul the marriage. Oh, wow. And it was probably utterly heartbreaking. Yeah. I can't even imagine. And it connected me to her even yeah. more. Yeah. Knowing that she'd been through that because I just thought she was this. You shared a struggle. Perfect. Yeah. Wonderful woman. And I was like, whoa, she's been through something I've through. And it was hard. So, yeah. Yeah. And then, Tony, same question for you. Going through that experience and having those pieces of your history or your father's history come together. It, it's given me more, a lot, so much more depth uh, to find out that I have these uh, six other aunts and uncles and cousins galore and, yeah you know learn from them uh, their acceptance their rate of acceptance was almost instant amazing yeah not of our faith but good christians you know that that has not been the least of any issue right you know, it's just it's just open arms and uh, yeah it's just been so cool can I add something to this? Yeah. Sometimes you will just find these these um, unknown doors that open. So this biological line that Tony comes from um, goes directly to Luxembourg. And if you know Luxembourg in Europe, this city is unreal. And he is, um, he can have dual citizenship because oh, wow. of the laws of... Um, that's not, looking, ancestor, that's not looking too bad right now, by yeah. the way. <laughs> if you have an ancestor that immigrated to the U.S. that was born, I think, after 1910, I think that's what the rule is, then you're eligible for dual um, citizenship. Mm -hmm. And dual citizenship in Europe is a really cool thing. You can own property. You can travel wherever you want very easily. It's a good thing to have. That's amazing. Yeah. So. And so have you been? To, no. But no. It's still on our list. Yeah. yeah. I had a brother that lived in Luxembourg. Oh my oh, wow. gosh. Mm -hmm. wow. Loved it. How long did he live there? Two years. Wow. Mm -hmm. Loved it. Mm. Even, yeah, mm. that's amazing. That's so I love it. I, I think of, um, you know, you look back and you find people that you can relate to, like your, your grandma. Mm -hmm. um, she struggled like you did, but mm -hmm. look at what a beautiful woman she is. So yeah. if she could yeah. be redeemed from a past... I can be redeemed yes. from any of my faults. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and look what the you know the the blessings that the atonement worked in her life. Yeah. And also, you know, from your standpoint, Tony, that when I look back at my family, I just see there's much so much more depth. And the reality is, all of us listening have a family with our heavenly Father. We're all children of God, and that's depth. <laughs> there's some royalty in that line. Um, we can take stock and we're good people and we're going to succeed we're part of that line yeah and we have a right to all those blessings and those personality traits and uh, you know i think that love that god has for all of his children we're part of that heart that's part of our dna spiritual dna we can love people the way he loves them yeah and what a cool perspective that would be and a view that would be if everybody treated each other like family and children of god yeah, yeah. And I don't remember this source. I wish I could remember this source off the top of my head. But when you come from lines of people that really struggled, drugs, prison, murder, criminals, um, when you make the best choices in your life, you literally heal those generations behind you. Mm. Yeah. And this is truth. It's truth. And I wish I knew the source. There's several sources on that. But it's almost like when you look at your children, 
and then your grandchildren. You have this door open ahead of you that you can see a certain amount away. Mm -hmm. And when you find your ancestors and the people behind you, it opens this door behind you. And that's what eternity is. Right. It goes both ways. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it gives us a glimpse of eternity, and that is what the spirit of Elijah is all about. Yeah. There's a phrase in the temple that says to wash away the blood from the sins of this generation. And that's yes. what you're saying. And yes. Anthony Sweat spoke to that in a podcast I listened to recently and talked about that that's what that meant, that not only does it heal the line behind you from all the struggle, like you were just saying, yeah. but I don't have to be held down and held back because I grew up in X, Y, or Z. You know, people grow up even today and really struggle, have really hard situations and abuse and, and all the things. And sometimes it can cripple us and make us feel like I can't ever elevate out of this. Yes. But making those covenants in the temple allows us to wash ourselves from that. Yes. From that past or from those yeah. circumstances. So I love that idea that it also helps to cleanse. Yes. To cleanse it's, them. It's amazing that yeah. the power that we have being born in this time, that link I sent you to that talk by mm -hmm. Truman Madsen. In that talk, he talks about the way that your um, sins of all the generations actually um, descend through blood and that it all compounds the farther down it comes, mm -hmm. especially if people aren't repenting and cleansing themselves. And that's why it's our job. If we cleanse ourselves of the blood and sins of all the generations, yeah. that is yeah. part of the healing. That's amazing. We'll try to link yeah. that in our show notes. We're not quite sure how to do that yet. We haven't done it before, but people will probably like listening to that just to tie in with this. So, so we'll try to do yeah. that. Yeah, I love that idea. How have you felt a stronger connection to God? Because you're dealing with dead ancestors. Through genealogy. That? Yeah. Well, has, yeah. You, genealogy <laughs> and your book. The work you're doing and your, and your yeah. book and yeah. yeah and Tony's about. experiences and... Um, I think that when you look at the choices people make and what motivates them, and what their life circumstances were. The people that had God and religion in their lives, like these two books I've written, the letters are full of their faith in God mm -hmm. as they are starving to death. And how they overcame what they did, it, it is God. And if you have a connection to God, what can you not do? Yeah. There's nothing. And he's promised us that in the scriptures. Mm -hmm. He will walk beside us and we can do it all. And those who step away from him are the ones that struggle the most. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the thing that always strikes me when somebody asks something like that is on earth here, you know, our, our traits and our, you know, we lean into those who, who are interested in us mm -hmm. and who, uh, you know, if, if somebody has been generous with me or assisted me in some way or there's a there becomes a, gr a greater connection mm -hmm. and, and I think it's it's fascinating how as we take more interest on those who have been here before we're creating that same connection that we do with people who are alive right here, here. Mm -hmm. that, that that we gain so much more strength from gathering we're literally almost gathering an army on the other side to assist us here yeah um you know because if we're if we're assisting them with their path and their journey there's things that have to be done here 
by proxy and 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 things that we are doing for them and I say that very generously because it's Wendy really who's doing most of that. <laughs> I can do nothing <laughs> without his support. But, I'm but, but you know, it's 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 amazing. You can feel that at times the, the other side will buoy you up and lift you and yeah. assist you. And yeah. Wendy sees that many times in her work, uh, more so than myself. But I had a dream that was just this gift that was given to me that that illustrates how much help we're actually getting all the time if we even had an inkling of it. And um, I guess I'll share it. I, um, in my dream, I was at my family's home up in Salt Lake City, where we all grew up, and there was some kind of gathering there. And I was with my oldest daughter, and um, we said, let's go to a movie. And um, we, we left everyone, and we went to this nearby movie theater, and we had to park on this this narrow little street that was really steep because there was there were a lot of cars around and we went into the movie theater and um, in my hand as we went in I had my purse in one hand and in my other hand I had this stack of ancestral photos and um, we sat down we were watching the movie and it was a great movie I don't know what it was and all of a sudden we heard this enormous boom like there was an explosion and the movie went off, the lights went off, and everybody started screaming and running for the exits. And I was on the floor trying to find my purse and get all of these ancestral photos that I had dropped. And I had them all in my hand. And my daughter went somewhere and she came back and she said, um, uh, we gotta go. And I said, I can't find my purse. And she said, well, if you left it in the car, it's burned up with our car because a guy outside blew up everything and he committed suicide and it's mayhem out there. Mm -hmm. And so we left the theater and so all I had were these photos. I didn't have my purse or anything. And the next thing I knew, we were in the back of a car and there was this lady driving with white hair and we kept trying to get her attention to say thank you for picking us up, getting us out of there. And she, she made a signal to us like she was deaf. And then we stopped at a light or something and she turned around and spoke perfectly to us and said, I was driving by all that chaos and I recognize you as Marjorie's family. That's my mom. Wow. And she said, I would do anything for her. And then I woke up and I said she was not alive and then I had her picture in my hand, whoever wow. that was. And um, I recorded that and I just shared that dream with the young women in our ward and um, I have given them a lesson on Elijah and who that is. And now once a week, we go to the Family History Library together and they are very on board yeah. with saving their ancestors. Mm -hmm. so. That's an awesome oh. experience. Yeah, and that's all and of us. Do you feel, you know, as members of the church, I think if we're in tune, I'm often hearing like we can feel the work is accelerating. We can feel the Savior wants to be here soon. We all want him here really soon. Yes, like please. we're praying for it. Our <laughs> yeah. prophet is asking us to pray for it. Do you feel that sense of urgency? And is it an urgency that feels like um, just intense and, oh no, we're running out of time or an urgency of just the time is soon coming and we're so excited to help you get the work done? I don't feel like 
Hmm. I don't ever feel like it's an urgency, like we're running out of time. I just feel like it's more like an urgency, like what are we doing with our time? We're going to have a thousand years to complete the work, but mm -hmm. what do we need to get done now? What are we yeah. listening to right now? Yeah. And I think all of us have changed a lot in the last year and a half. We know we have. Where yeah. we spend our time. Yeah. yeah, it's it's not it's not a, yeah, it's not as much of where we don't have enough time. It's literally what are you doing with right. your time? A week goes by so quickly right now. Uh, Even this last year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean it was a year ago that we were prompted that we should come to St. George. Can't believe it's been a year already. You know, it's it's crazy. It's a tremendous time of it. I, I, I get really excited about where we're at. Yeah, me I, too. You know, I, you know it, it's like, okay, yeah, the wheels are falling off. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, they're supposed to. Yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. and, and I can't wait for the next thing that's going to happen, and let, let's just get on with this because... Yeah. Because it isn't it isn't uh, that we're running out of time. It's what what are we doing with the time we have? Yeah, and your eyes are just more open too because you're not so distracted that you yeah. guys personally probably and anybody who's devoting time to genealogy probably notices more often how the other side was involved. Mm -hmm. Where we might miss that a lot of times with different experiences. So there's a cool story I was thinking of while you were talking, and then you just said your eyes were opened. And we just talked in our earlier podcast about during the pandemic, everyone's, oh, 2020 is the worst year ever. Mm -hmm. Horrible. Let's forget about it. T-shirts are out there, you know, whatever to 2020. <laughs> but we thought it was supposed to be the best year because that was a commemorative year that our prophet said 200 years since light has come back in 1820. Now in 2020, yeah. this is the Lord's celebration. And Satan's like, I want to screw all that up and ruin it. Totally. <laughs> but it's where your focus is. Mm -hmm. And I remember within the last couple of years, President Nelson has been priming us and saying the most important work you could do is to gather Israel on both sides of the veil. Yes. Yeah. There's work going on and you're involved in that work. And here was the scripture that came to mind. Elijah was such a cool prophet. He was the biggest name, like you said, rode out in a chariot of fire. Mm -hmm. His predecessor or his guy who followed him, mm -hmm. Elijah, had a big mantle to fill. I mean, Elijah was so cool and everybody knew all the miracles. Elijah was trying to help Israel. And the armies were gathering around, you remember, and he was in the cave. And he was with his servant. And he said, the armies have surrounded us. And they're encamped on all sides. We're surrounded. Um, I think it's, it's over for us. And Elijah said, uh, open his eyes, he prayed that the Lord would open his eyes and he would see. And what he saw was hosts of angels on the other side that had surrounded this puny little army of how many thousands that at once he was intimidated by. But because he saw that those with us are greater than they that be with them, the Lord's on our side. There's a work going on. There's armies around us to help us. And you had shared that you would kind of felt that spirit of armies helping you to find and gather Israel and to protect Israel. Yeah. Yeah. And if we actively choose to be part of that gathering, then our mm -hmm. eyes will be opened as well. Yeah. And if yeah. we think about how we gather Israel on this side of the veil, it's by sharing the gospel, right? Mm -hmm. It's the exact same thing on the other side of the veil. We are offering them the ordinances of the gospel. It's the same thing and opening that door for them. Yeah. When we were um, ordinance workers in the Phoenix Temple, 
the temple president at the time told us in a early morning meeting that we need to get baptisms done always get them all done and then get working on the rest of the work because the baptisms allow people out of spirit prison to then join mm-hmm. our army of our family and to help us from the other side oh that's cool yeah i think of just this power of being connected to the other side we're all a part of this family and this power and knowing that there's people cheering for you and rooting for your success mm-hmm. so anyone who feels like well i'm just alone nobody loves me well they just don't understand how powerful all this genealogy is that went before them mm-hmm. and how many people are just cheering for them and rooting for them yeah uh, that they they should never get to a place where they think nobody cares yeah there's only one person that wants us to think that nobody cares and we know who that is yeah, yeah. And um, the family history research experience has been the greatest adventure of my life. And I'm highly adventurous. You know, mm-hmm. parasailing and, and scuba diving and nothing compares to walking where your ancestors have walked and feeling what you feel there. Because I believe that we leave something physical behind Yeah. when we walk this earth. And... Um, it just adds to who you are and they add to who we are however it happens through our DNA or just the knowledge that we gain from the people that came before us and then most importantly is passing that knowledge on yeah to your kids and your grandkids so that they know who they came from and who they are and the title of the book once upon an Irish summer yes by Wendy Wilson Spooner yes Boom. And where can they find that? Um, you can. I just got my rice back from my publisher. Started my own publishing company. So right now you'll find it on Amazon. And then you'll find it everywhere else as I get it back into all the stores. And do you have a website they go to to look for some of this? or? Yeah, wendywilsonspooner.com. If they want to find somebody. Author website. You can help them. Yes. And knowmyroots.com is also, that's my genealogy website. But anyway, you can find me on social media or wherever. And I answer questions all the time. Awesome. We love you guys. And now our friends can love you too. Yeah. So glad that you guys uh, asked us to do this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for being on our podcast with us today. (laughs) We never.